Room. All right, kick down the door. Kick Whoa, bam! I like this cursed duck of doom. You what should know better than to pick up a duck <gasps> in a dungeon. Oh, mm. lose two levels for that? Oh, that Duck sucks. of doom. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we use loot like sandals of protection and potions of studliness to go busting down every dungeon door in Munchkin. Next up, we build ranches, banks, and saloons, and maybe do a little raiding as we settle the West in Carson City. And lastly, we brave the crowds, the lost luggage, and the dicey food to catch our flights in planes. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I believe dice rolling is an artistic expression. Hi, I'm Ed Povlidis, and no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. The same can't be said about the airport, however. Hi, I'm Joe Unfried, and I'd rather be lucky than smart. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Munchkin, designed by Steve Jackson, published by Steve Jackson Games in 2001. Number of players 3 to 6, ages 10 and up. Runtime 60 to 120 minutes. Let's start with Ed. Ed, what do you think? Get your punt on as you kick down the door. Joe, how about you? When I found myself with two classes in a special race, I found how well the game is named. <laughs> Evan, how about you? Doors and treasures and monsters and curses. They could have called it that, but Munchkin will do. Pop culture making fun of the sword and sorcery fantasy genre was at a high in the 90s, and I think Munchkin got right on board in a clever way. But before we talk about the game... Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Munchkin is a satirical card game based on the cliches and oddities of Dungeons and & Dragons and other role-playing games. Each player starts at level 1, and the winner is the first player to reach level 10. Players can acquire familiar D&D-style character classes during the game, which determine to some extent the cards they can play. There are two types of cards, Treasure and Encounters. Each turn, the current player kicks down the door, drawing an encounter card from the deck. Usually this will involve battling a monster. Monsters have their own levels and players must try to overcome it using levels, weapons, and powers they've acquired during the game or run away. Now other players can choose to help the player or hinder the player by adding extra monsters to the encounter. Defeating a monster will usually result in drawing treasure cards and acquiring levels. Being defeated by a monster results in bad stuff, which usually involves losing levels and treasure and friends. Don't get a curse. I got cursed all over this game. Yeah, <laughs> curses are really bad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that dungeon was curse happy. It was. <laughs> <laughs> well, some curses are not as bad as others. I mean, I had a chicken on my head for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, you know, it's humiliating, but you can, <laughs> you can muddle through. But I think one of the best elements to the game for me personally is the illustrations by John Corvillac. I just think they're brilliant and they lend much to the game charm. They set the tone. Uh, it's cartoony, but not in a weird Monty Python way. It's straight cartoons like a comic strip. So they're great in that way. Um, there are some great jokes in this game. Crazy stuff to wear like knee pads of allure and emotions <laughs> of idiotic bravery. So they, they get right in there to make fun of the genre in a fun, lighthearted way. Satire is always good in these games. I love the mechanic of 
kicking down the door every single turn. So in a dungeon <laughs> yeah. crawl, you know, the big thing is what's the next encounter? And whatever <laughs> happens, happens. You can't help but pick up that door card when you're kicking it open and just slam it down on the table <laughs> as, as the <laughs> emphasis behind kicking a door open. It ha- just happens. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's very clever. And the game can be a little swingy just because oh, you really don't know what's behind the door. Kick down the door, bam! Give me a monster for once. Not Level this 20, monster. I'll help you. Not that I'll help you. All right, what? Plutonium what? dragon. Mike is away this week, um, and he he has sent a comment in from afar that mm-hmm. it was an extremely swingy game. So uh, he that was the one thing he remembered about his his days of playing Munchkin in the uh, early aughts, I guess, when this game was hot, hot, hot. Oh, yeah. I played this game a bunch of times, and it, it, it can be a mixed experience. I kept thinking, like, no, the tables have turned, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean? Well, the, the way the, the sudden reversals of, of fortune. Oh, like when you went from ninth level to first level in yeah. one card play? Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. you win at 10th level, and Joe is at ninth level and sent back down to first with one <laughs> card. Yeah, some of these yeah. cards are devastating. <laughs> You can't expect anything good from the Wright brothers. Well, it was the White brothers. Yeah, the White's brothers. W-I-G-H-T. So a couple of nasty undead. (laughs) The Wright brothers would have been easy to beat up. (laughs) I liked the aspect of this game that was um, stick it to your neighbor. That actually worked really well. I mean, in a normal D&D campaign, you're rarely trying to fight against your fellow players. But in this, it's definitely like, no, no, it's all first man to 10th level. So Elbow your yeah. own way to the front. I also love, particularly love Celeste. You quickly pick up the uh, ability to bully your partners into letting them help you. So you can take yeah. the treasure. Well, yeah. your fair share of the treasure, as it were. <laughs> yes. I remember that era of, of role-playing. I mean, the most dangerous thing the GM could throw into an encounter was an overbalancing piece of treasure. Yeah, because that you're right. That is when players start to go against each other. <laughs> the real battle starts after the monster is dead <laughs> and you're trying to split the treasure up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, that's why the, yeah, the smart monsters like turn invisible and stuff and just let them see the treasure first, I think. But. <laughs> A good point to this part of the game, both being able to help other players or help or hinder other players, is that essentially everybody is playing all the time. There's no downtime. You're paying attention on everybody's turn uh, because it is actually an important aspect of the game. Even if you don't want that, you are still constantly being propositioned to you know come in and 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 lend aid and. You know, if you if you hesitate at all in responding to uh, a player whose situation is sufficiently dangerous, then they'll quickly try to bribe you with, uh, you know, if they have the ability to. Yeah, that I loved that aspect of the game that you can talk to each other while playing. Oh, I'll help you do this, but if you don't let me help you, something bad might happen because I might throw out a card that'll hurt you. So that was a lot of fun, and and it inspired you to just keep chatting. So the jokes kept flowing. Evan and I had a lot of fun joking back and forth the whole time we were playing. (laughs) So much cards in my hand. First of all, I'm going to whine at the GM and go up a level. <laughs> Classic leveling maneuver. It does say here, just so you know, you can't use this card if you're currently the highest level player. Even if you don't actually have anything you know, particularly powerful among the treasure that you have collected so far, that can be substantial enough where someone who's much more powerful than you really needs that plus four. 
And plus, since you have cards in your hand, bluffing is always a thing. You know, you you, you sure you don't want my help? Blink, blink, yeah. blink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's this ridiculous. curse card might come out on your turn. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing. The basic gameplay of the game is simple. And the theme is very engaging because if you know classic D&D. You know, Ed, I, you don't need to know classic D&D. Just fantasy movies, you know? I mean, everybody knows knows this genre. It's true. But I mean, same thing. If you play D&D, though, you know the, the Munkin theme of just grabbing loot. I mean, any young kid when they play D&D was all about the loot grab. Oh, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> they definitely you know, capitalize on that. But the complexity of the game, I think, comes from two areas. One is how the cards can interact with each other. Because while the rules are simple, the cards break the rules all the time. And then the second thing is what we already went into is all the social bargaining that we do with each other every turn. I think in a, you know, yeah, you couldn't play it every night, but I think in a regular rotation of games, this game is going to keep giving. I agree. I, I think that while a game can get a little old, I think it, it is fresh with, uh, you know, even just one new pair of eyes in the, in the team. Right. A new group or, or some time going by. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I think the other criticism I, I get with this game is... When it comes down to the end, it can overstay its welcome because the end game can take too long with every other player just bashing down everybody at reached ninth level. And it's not usually the first one to get the ninth level that wins, but rather um, after the third or fourth attempt of someone winning, everybody else is depleted of the trick that they fi- someone finally gets over the finish line. Yeah, it's it's possible. What did you think, Evan? Do you think the game went on too long? No, I don't think it went on too long in our case. Uh, several of us were at ninth level. I think three of the four of us were there right at the end. And what happens is you wind up using up all your curse cards or you aid the monsters so much that you deplete your your hand and you're, it sort of drains everything and somebody's going to win within probably three or four turns at that point. All right, I agree. I think our game went a nice length. But I've seen, especially I think with higher player counts, it can drag out a bit when there are more people who have cards that can slow the game down. Yeah, four was a nice number to play. This is an older game. Older games were a little less concerned, as we learned with Head of the Class, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a little less concerned with time. Um, (laughs) I mean, the time on the box said one to two hours. So, I mean, that's telling you right there, it's not necessarily a short game. Yeah. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Munchkin. Joe, how about you? I had enough fun with this. I'm tempted to dig it up, but I'm a little concerned about its replayability. I did enjoy some of the humor. Uh, You can improve on that by using the expansions, though, and they are legion. Uh, Personally, though, I prefer actually playing RPGs to playing a game about playing RPGs, so I'm afraid I have to bury it. Ed, how about you? For some groups, this will be a blast. And for others, it may drag on, but it's worth digging up just to see what group you're in. Evan, how about you? I kicked down Munchkin's door and was rewarded with a plus one shovel of excavation. Dig it up. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, pulled out when people are in the right mood, this game could tickle for years. And that's coming from a heavy RPGer. So huzzah, or is it dilly dilly now? Dig it up. (laughs) Dilly dilly. (laughs) Evan, where can you find it? You can find it at game shops, online stores. It is readily available. There are many expansions and variants as well. We played the original. The price tag, 25 bucks. I actually got it for 20 bucks at a convention. 
If you have thoughts about Munchkin, please let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Carson City, designed by Xavier Georges, first published by Queen Dwight Goblin Games and Eagle Griffin Games in 2009. The edition we played was the Big Box by Queen Games in 2018. Number of players, 2 to 6, ages 13 and up, runtime, 90 minutes. Let's start with you, Evan. What did you think? I'll quote Bugs Bunny. I know lots of things. Two and two is four. Carson City's the capital of Nevada. George Washington was the first president. <laughs> Sorry, whenever I hear Carson City, that's all I can think about is Bugs Bunny. That's all you can think of because you saw it eight million times when you were a kid. Yep. Joe, how about you? Wow, there are a lot of things that can go wrong for you in this game. Trust me. Despite being tossed in the deep fryer by my fellow panelists, I really <laughs> like the mechanics. Swimming in choices, lots of conflict, simple resolutions. Ed, how about you? Howdy, stranger. If you're looking to make a fortune, maybe you'll find some gold in our mountains or customers for your business. But don't come here looking for trouble. We'll be finding a spot in our cemetery. Ed, you stole my thunder. I was just about to do my own accent. So now you got to hear two. Ready? Okay. All right. Giddy up, partner. We're going to stake our claim in this here city, no matter who we have to draw down on to do it. But first, Ed, why don't you parlay a little bit about those rules to us? Carson City consists of four rounds, and each you choose a character which gives certain advantages, and then place your cowboys on the action track or locations that allow you to construct buildings, roads, claim ground, round up some guns, earn money, or score victory points. When more than one player is on the same location, get ready, it's time for a duel. Roll the dice and see if you are the last one standing and lay claim to the goods. At the end of the game, the buildings, houses, mountains, and money you own contribute to your victory points, and the person with the most points wins. So we really do start the game by staking claims that set the tone nicely. So you have this open map, and there wasn't much on it. The mountains are actually uh, physical pieces, which was nice because they elevated up from the board. Yeah, that's definitely something that's new in the uh, the big box. The, the classic version only had like little tiles to put in there to represent the mountain. It definitely helped me visualize things like where I should place my mine versus my ranch mm-hmm. because based on where the mountains are. There's a huge number of possible layouts. Because the game is set up randomly. You roll dice to determine where the mountains show up at the beginning of the game. I think there's a river variant somewhere. Uh, there's a whole bunch of variants in this box. I would guess millions if you really did the math. Just from looking at a very simple map, because it is it is simple, there's not much going on on the map itself, where the color and visual stuff happens is on the tiles themselves. For example, the bank has a painted picture of a bank on the tiles. The pictures are very evocative of the Old West, not just in their style, but they there's sort of a soft glow of light in a lot of them. You know, they're painted very well. So they really help set the scene. For example, putting your ranches way out and a city over in a different corner helped a lot to add to the feel of the game. Wow, that ranch is way out there mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and that mine is between those two mountains, you know. Right. And then other players start encroaching on your distant ranch yeah, and you feel do. like, you know, they're 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 coming in. Something that we haven't t- touched on yet is just how many different character personas are in the game. Mhm. Uh, how you're not stuck with them and you know, you can switch them out. Mhm. How do you switch the characters out? Now, at the beginning of every round, you can pick one to base on player order. 
Right. And, and it, it, you start with the basic seven, but the uh, with all the expansion, there's over, uh, I think, 20 different characters you can choose to add into Whoa. the game. But there's always seven to choose in f- from each game. Yeah, some of them give you free land or free money or free guns. Yeah, they each give you a different strength based on the style of character they are, which is cool. Actually, the way those character types interact with each other sort of changes the feeling of what you think the culture of the town might be. So depending on how you and your opponents play the game and choose those characters, Carson City can seem like anything from Walnut Grove all the way down to Deadwood. Right. I mean, you could all play teachers and preachers and virtuous people. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm afraid I quashed any hope of that. <laughs> you went marau- you went full marauder. I, well, I definitely went the way of the gun. You picked the uh the mercenary which gives you guns. The other characters include the sheriff, the banker, the grocer, the Chinese worker, the settler, the captain, and of course, the mercenary. Celeste was the if you watch Westworld, she was the Ed Harris character all Come on. in black. <laughs> <laughs> or is that a bit extreme? It might, I think it's a bit extreme. I wasn't, okay. I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't quite that violent, you know. I mean, I only raided Ed's ranch twice. <laughs> and there's only four turns in the game. Four turns with 50% of the time, I guess? Yeah. I'm going to challenge for the three guns. Challenge for the three guns. What? No, I kind of want to challenge for the three guns, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Dude, now I yeah. have to do it. Show. Oh God! That one is a three-way challenge, oh. straight up. In this game, it could be a four-way challenge for something. Okay. <laughs> Raiding is a really useful piece. So the Marauder is a guy that if you're if that's not your plan, then he's probably not going to be too much help to you. You really have to be aggressive. I often enjoy playing a gunslinger in a role-playing game, so um, it was fun for me, and it was a perfectly legitimate way to try to win the game, just by brute force rather than being, you know, a constructive player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you uh, realized some of the potential earlier, I think you could have won the game with it. The customized victory points, which is a great piece of the game, uh, allow you to choose which victory points will be awarded, and you have to expend resources on doing that. I love games where you get to choose how to win. Right. I think that's one of the cool things about the game where your workers, your cowboys, you place them on the spots that are important to you. And then unlike other worker placement games, now normally when you put a, a worker in a place, no one else can go there. Here, yeah, you may go there and fight for it. It's, it's a place where you can test spots. It makes it confrontational. Of course, that's the reason why some people don't like the game, because some people don't like that conflict. I think it's perfect for the theme. It, yeah. I think it really does add to the theme here, yes. Might makes right in the lawless West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're the sheriff, that's an important piece, because not only do you get yeah. to go first in turn order, it gives you an opportunity to lock up one event or action without any confrontation or someone else getting in your way. And you can really build off of that. It, it is a nice ability, but it comes with its own disadvantage as well, which is kind of unsurprising because you have an extra action. It usually means that you'll end up passing last and therefore having to pick last next turn. And you have to be careful uh, because money is an aspect of this game that you have to pay attention to, obviously. And you can't be left holding too much money at the end of your turn. You're going to lose it. I mean, unless you're the banker character who has a large reserve and he can hold a lot of money at the end. But the sh- someone like the sheriff, he's only allowed to have 20 bucks in his poke before he's got to get rid of it all. Same thing with the marauder. Right. And it's the same thing about being overly aggressive because if you go... T- 
too aggressive, other people might be able to build more stuff. And in the end, having built more stuff will give you a lot of victory points too. I liked the mechanic showing how the city grew. You might start by laying down a bank and it, it's not worth much at the beginning, but as you build around that bank, you get to turn the bank tile to a higher number. And that shows you that the bank is now more valuable. As the, the city grows, there are more houses, and having more houses around increase the value of the, the bank. Synergy bonuses all over the place. Some of the buildings you place down, you also have to build a house. And you have to have roads that go out there. So you have to plan a little bit ahead there to make sure you have enough road to be able to put both the building you want and the new house to put down. Oh, there's so many layers to this game. And we just played the basic. There are so many expansions I didn't even include. This game must have been a bear to play test. Yeah. There's so many moving parts and interactions and synergies. Crazy. I'll bet you they play tested this thing for years. I had a lot of fun just imagining the effects of our action, you know, in a cinematic way. And there was enough time and space to do even that in this game. Yeah, because it's not only important to just stake out your own claim. You have to have a little bit of a plan to defend it. and uh, Otherwise, somebody might just take it from you. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Carson City. Joe, how about you? The simplicity is right. The choices are right. The game looks great. And despite getting totally horsewhipped, I wanted to play it again. Digging it up, and you would not want to be staring that way at me. Evan, how about you? Well, partner, Carson City is a calling. Best head off to yonder game store and wrestle up one up for yourself. Dig her up! Ed, how about you? There's gold in them hills if you've got the guts to defend your claim and dig it up. Yeehaw! Let's ride for Carson City. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find the game? Well, the original version of the game is currently out of print, but you can Aww. find some copies of it floating around at stores and the secondary market for about 50 bucks or so. The second edition of the Big Box was released this year and is generally available. MSRP is about 120 bucks. If you have thoughts about Carson City, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And our last game up this week is Planes. Designed by David Short, published by Alderac Entertainment Group. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 14 and up. Runtime, 30 minutes. Let's start with Ed. What did you think, Ed? Shuffling your way through the airport terminal, trying not to get lost along the way. Sound fun, right? Evan, how about you? Ah, the airport, where everything runs smoothly and people enjoy spending copious amounts of time. <laughs> Let's make a game about it. <laughs> not in a making fun kind of way, but in, in a serious act. way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Joe, how about you? The mechanics of foot traffic on the Oval Airport concourse is simultaneously amusing and infuriating. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. <laughs> uh, so wait, what do you do again? You move five, then you leave one behind, but I have two left to board to score on any slot, but only move from slots where your color... Forget it. Joe, just try to tell us a little bit about how it's played. Each turn you get three phases, action, move, and goal. Your cards each have a goal and an action, but you may choose only one of those from any particular card. To move, pick any space with at least one of your cubes in it. Pick up all the cubes in that space, whether they're yours or not. 
From there, you may advance as many spaces as you can, dropping one cube each space you move into. As long as you have cubes left, you can stop any time, leaving all the remaining cubes in that space. If you can arrive at a gate space with exactly one cube matching the color of the plane, that cube boards the plane. Getting your cube on the plane earns you five victory points. Getting a neutral cube on a neutral plane gets you two cards. So that is kind of it. Doesn't it sound fun and exciting? <laughs> Congrats, planes. You found the most frustrating use of the Euro game staple, the little wooden cube. And I have played Demacher. <laughs> wow. The basic mechanic of the game borrowed from a, a classic game known as Mancala. Is it as frustrating and uh, confusing? A lot of games actually use this mechanic of picking up all the pieces from one place and then dropping stuff as you move, trying to activate something by having the right piece remaining in your hand at the last spot. Yeah, but this is the first time we've, pl- I think we've played one of these pick and g- run games. It is. And, and unfortunately, I think one problem with this game is not only is these abstract mechanic not particularly strongly themed with the game but the rule description is not particularly good i think what we need really needed was a good play example before we got started yeah a video tutorial of this game is where i would recommend anybody who would want to play this game and i can't imagine why should start (laughs) also the layout of this game good grief i mean it, it it's messy it's and i get it it's trying to emulate an airport so maybe they were like hey yeah airports are messy this is fine yep. but it's not it's not fine because <laughs> it confuses the pieces pieces that can't be moved and pieces that can be moved are together on the same space and they get mixed up inevitably they get mixed up and i think the other thing that makes it a little bit difficult is that the gate box you're trying to get to are separated so you're trying to plan out to get to this the space that you can only get to if you have the right color and it's the only cube you have remaining in that regard another thing that's hard to see and understand is the layout of the cards the layout is ugly it's all gray on gray they didn't separate it by good colors this whole thing is gray on gray and it's hard to quickly intuitively visually separate everything i had a different take on it they had like a white and a, a dark gray split in the card that had like line through them i thought it was pretty clear to me that the uh, action on one side had a goal on the other i did remember thinking the blue cube actually needed to be a lighter shade of blue oh we'll get to the cubes Oh, we'll get to the cubes. (laughs) One thing that was really odd to me when I finally, you know, was able to focus on cards um, was that the action on the card gives you an advantage to the specific goal that is on the card, and yet you can't do both. So why were they like that? To add more confusion? (laughs) Yes, and frustration. In a game crying out for more clarification, it would have been better if goal cards and action cards were two separate sets of cards. I actually disagree. I, I would have to say that I think it's really useful to have a card that you can use in multiple ways. This way, you have a decision to make. To, oh, am I going to use this to, to gather my people at that restaurant so then I can make one of them board the plane because that's what it allows me to do? Or am I going to just uh, you know, move my people to a fine restaurant and score a point that way? If there were separate goal cards, it would have allowed for a more thorough description of the goal. 
because there were a few goals in which I got confused as to what the heck I was reading. Numbers, parentheses, different colored blocks. Oh, the symbology. Symbology was not great. I was able to pick up on that pretty easily, but I can imagine that for some people that could uh, be confusing. It's not intuitive. And your color isn't represented even by your color. Everybody's color is represented by white. Now, I understand why they did that, to make it cheaper to print cards, so then they needed less cards, but uh, it was not helpful. Now, I did promise I would get back to the cubes. (laughs) I think having the cubes be abstractly representative of people instead of having little people figures was a real problem. You actually would have uh, preferred just having meeples there that would have brought you more into the theme? I think so. Cooler pictures on the map would have helped immerse me. Well, everything was like clip art for just like an icon. Like you would find like, oh, this is uh, the sign for the toilets or this is the sign for the uh, fast food restaurant. So I won this game and I'll tell you how. (laughs) I wanted to end the game so badly that I rushed to boarding. I know Evan hates nothing more than trying to end a bad game. Halfway through the game. Damn it. Only halfway? I thought... That sucks. I thought when I filled that plane, we were done. No. We're going to fill this plane too? No. Any 12 passengers on the plane. Any 12 passengers Any combination of 12. individual... Plane filled up. Right, but for black, would have to be both of these. (laughs) (laughs) it's true am i right admit it you love dragging these bad games out because you like to see me lose my mind and you like to see mike lose his mind the way i won was i moved i basically just threw in the towel and said i am going to rush to boarding as fast as i can i will board my people or the neutral people whatever because boarding will get people on the flight i think that's why you won because i think i focused too much on trying to do the gold on the cards which uh then left me with no cards in my hand to try to to do other things when i'm trying to get somebody on the plane if you focus on using your card to help you board people not only will you get more points but if you happen to get a neutral on a plane, it gets you more cards. It gets you more options to, to, to do things next turn. Blockages are the most fun part of this game. So blockage is when you move too many cubes to one place. So you drop, dump seven people or more in one spot. There's a blockage. A cone goes up, which I loved. Loved the cone. The cone was the, one of the best components in the game, honestly. It, yeah. It's the best component because it's clear. <laughs> it's understandable. Yeah. It's physical. So I loved that. And then the uh, the player aid actually looked like a plane ticket on one side. That was a nice touch with the perforation. Why did they perforate it? <laughs> Whenever something's perforated, what do you do? You bend it, you tear it, you get it ready for its inevitable separation. That's why it's there. But no, you're not supposed to do that with this. So there it is, teasing you the whole game, <laughs> perforation, and no way, and and you can't separate the damn thing. Wow, you you must hate opening new packages of toilet paper. No, Joe, because you use it and you do exactly what you're what it was intended to do. Why would you put a perforation on something and not expect people to, and expect people to not tear it? I knew it was a bad sign. It was an omen <laughs> as soon as we saw that. <laughs> All right, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury planes. Joe, how about you? I I found this very confusing to start with. I must admit, I like the mechanic of putting choices for actions and goals on the same physical card, and I was able to understand it. But despite the game's ingenuity, I still found it cumbersome. Bury it in the luggage carousel. Evan, how about you? 
Now that I've played it once, I have a grasp for it. First time play is too turbulent, which might turn off certain players or co-hosts. But this is one of those games I would like to retry and reassess upon one more play. So for that reason, I have to leave it dug up because I want to give it one more chance to see if it was if it was really as bad as it first played or if it really has the potential to be good after a, just a bad first go. Ed, how about you? I will agree that the theme is a bit light for an abstract mechanic. But I think the cards offer a good variety of play. There's a reasonable game here worth playing. And I, bet I do feel the game could be done a little bit better. So I'll just slightly bury it. Maybe it's a little bit lost in the uh, luggage carousel. Holy cow! Wow! <laughs> that just blew Surprise. my mind. Okay, so... Um, How about you, Celeste? What did you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm waiting on pins and needles here. We have, we have no way of knowing based on what you <laughs> yeah. said. Yeah. I don't even know if I should bother continuing to rant. <laughs> uh, you know? <laughs> you feel like taking the back end of the shovel and padding the dirt down? <laughs> a hot, frustrating mess. Even more Byzantine than a real trip to the airport. Uh, yeah, bury it. Joe, where can you find this game? I found it on Amazon ranging from an $8 charge from a vendor called GameCastle up to a $45 charge uh, from a vendor called Wonder Trail. Shipping charges sometimes increase this. Uh, You can also find it at local gaming stores. If you have thoughts about planes, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I would love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, just go to the website now and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. And join our chat on our Discord server, Which Game First, and our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers. Happy gaming. Right off into the sunset, Mana. <laughs> Did you hear about the one where the munchkin took a plane to Carson City? <laughs> Any more gunplay gets answered. You call the law on Carson City, you don't get to call it off just because you're liquored up and popular on payday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>